thank you all for setting the atmosphere. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so, oh God, we do thank you for this opportunity that I might stand in your very presence and speak unto the hearts of your very people. That a word might come forth, God, that not is just a good word, but a word that will do some good. I thank you, Father, for yet this opportunity. I thank you for all that has happened even to up until this time. God, we can feel your presence in this place. Now, don't leave me, God, because I need you. You know, I've done my homework and I've done my study, oh God, but we still, I still am in need of your help. And so as I go forward with this word, Lord, may, may your people be edified. May you be glorified, but may the devil be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Bless God, bless God. Find my place here and we go forward. You all heard the reading of the scripture that we will be lifting up before you're hearing, for your hearing this morning. And I just wanted to uh, start out by saying that no matter how many times I read or hear that story about the woman. Uh, I'm just always uh, in awe and amazed uh, at a lot of the components of her story. I, I, it's one of those biblical stories, Pastor Keith, that in my mind that it's kind of like you, one of those that you just can't get enough of uh, because it, it's, it's wrapped in, in Mark's gospel in the area where Jesus is uh, going about and he is uh, uh, he's, he's, he's performing miraculous things right in front of the people. Uh, he's going about and and the crowds are gathering around him consistently uh, just to see what he gonna do next uh-huh yeah 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 I, I, I look at Mark's writing in in this short uh, uh, this short passage it's just 10 verses uh, yet he gives us enough detail sister Kemper uh, that you can kind of see the story in your mind's eye I, I, I can't, can't you, can't you, come on with me, I, I, I need some prayers this morning, uh, can't you see yourself uh, 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 in, that, uh, in, in that setting, uh, can, can you picture this woman, this, this, this lady who has been suffering uh, for a long time, yet she's making her way through the crowd. Uh, uh, some of us, I know some of us, can 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 place ourselves uh, in this story. Uh, uh, the story has a familiar sound and a familiar feel to it for some of us. Uh, here this woman is, uh, who happens to be nameless, uh, but she is the central figure in the story. Uh, she's been ill for some 12 years. Her illness seems to stem from some issue of bleeding, and none of her doctors seem to have been able to come up with the right cure. 
Uh, how she, she is now, 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 now when we get to the text, uh, she is now at the end of her rope. Uh, she hears, come on somebody, she hears uh, that Jesus will be passing by on his way uh, to heal a little girl uh, who has already died. Uh, the, the child happens to be uh, the daughter of one of the local synagogue administrators. So he is a, a, a big wig. He's a big deal. People know him. People know his family. And so Jesus is on his way to his house to see about this daughter. Uh, but, but there's a woman in the crowd. What we know, what what we know uh, from 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 the outset is that uh, there was a crowd of people who are following Jesus, and the ESV translation, I, I like how it puts it, Reverend Veronica. It says it is a thronging, a thronging crowd, which indicates that that there is a great number of people assembled. Uh, you ever go a place and, and, and it's crowded, uh, but it's manageable. Uh, but a thronging crowd means that uh, there were people all over the place. Uh, I mean, it was really, really crowded. Uh, uh -huh. I know, I know, I know. We, 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 we can't, can't, can't you imagine uh, the number of people who, who just wanted to see Jesus perform his miraculous things uh, that they had seen him do before. Uh, uh, didn't you, isn't it amazing how we want to gather around and see Jesus do something to, to heal a sick person or, or, or raise a dead person? Uh, uh, there Jesus is being pushed uh, and he's being shoved by this thronging crowd. I, I know, I know you guys, it's been a while, uh, but before the pandemic, uh, we, most of us, had been in crowded situations. Yeah, we, we tend to stay away from those uh, at the moment. Uh, but there was a time, Pastor Keith, uh, when it was okay to be in the crowd. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I want to say that uh, uh, we understand uh, the nature of crowds. Uh, crowds um, usually cause people to be do some pushing and do some shoving. Uh, uh, Y'all ever been in a crowd and folks are stepping on your feet? Uh, uh, and, and not your new shoes, but yeah, they stepping on your feet. They bumping into you and they rubbing shoulders with you. You, you, you. It's hard sometimes to get around in the crowd. Um, uh, they intrude on your space. Um, and if you're somebody who is claustrophobic and don't like to be that close to all of those kind of people, sometimes you have a problem uh, with a crowd. Um, uh -huh, but, but, but let me tell you something else, something about the crowd. The crowd, when it's too many people, have a, a, a way of carrying you off with it, whatever direction it's going in. Uh -huh. uh, that's why it's important, come on, come on, somebody, uh, uh, to understand that uh, it, we can't uh, just hang around any old crowd. Uh, whether you are young or whether you are finding yourself in the later seasons of your life, can I just drop a note here and say we got to be careful? 
full uh, of the crowds we hang around. Uh -huh. See, see, we can't be uh, fooled into thinking that you can hang around the wrong crowd uh, and not be touched by the crowd. Uh -huh. I, I've even seen it. I've seen for myself uh, some seasoned saints who have gotten hung up uh, with the wrong um, uh, it's hard to hang out with people that, that, that drink and, and, and smoke and carry on and, and gossip and take drugs and, and not pick up on some of their bad habits. Uh, if you hang around them long enough, <laughs> if you hang around them long enough, you could end up doing the exact same things that they are doing. So there, 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 there is Jesus. Uh, he, he's in the midst of the crowd, and the crowd was so tight that, that the people were bumping into him. Uh, they were touching him. Uh, they wanted to be close to him. Uh, when all of a sudden, the text tells us, Pastor Keith, uh, that, that he says to his disciples, who touched me? Ah, uh, well, of course, of course, his disciples, you know, they were not the, the sharpest knives in the drawer. They, they, they were never the, the brightest bulbs on the tree. Uh -huh. they, 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 were, they were standing there looking at him saying, you see all these people? What what you mean? Who? How can you ask that kind of a question? <laughs> There's a, a magnitude of, of people out here that's pressing uh, against you. How can you ask us uh, who touched you? What they didn't understand, people of God, is that Jesus felt a touch of a woman who had a long history of some poor health. Uh, what Jesus felt, y'all, is, is a woman who had been suffering for some 12 years. Uh, and Jesus could tell through her touch that some power had come out of him uh, and that this just wasn't some woman who was bumping into him, uh, but it was somebody who was touching him uh, in faith. Can I work it just a little bit? Does anybody in the room know how it feels to have been suffering for a long time? Ah, yep, yep, yep. We've been there. We've been, we've been there. But uh, I, I, I know, I, I know that uh, uh, some of us have a hard time uh, suffering for twelve hours. Mm. Ah, let alone some twelve years. Uh, but here, here, here was this woman who had been an outcast uh, living in isolation because she was seen as unclean. Therefore, she was not fit to be around. So she's living by herself. Uh, uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield has denied all her claims. Um, and the doctors have stopped uh, taking her calls. Um, uh, she's given all that she's had financially, and she has nothing left to give. Uh, so her medical problem has created a financial problem, and now she has a, a desperation problem. 
anybody, anybody know, anybody know what this lady is facing? So, so, so the specialists, uh, the specialist minister Matt, they, they washed her, their hands of her, uh-huh, and they've given her all the best medicine that they had, but nothing is working. Uh, verse 26 makes it clear that instead of her getting better, the, ga- the girl keeps getting worse. The CT scan, the CT scan is inconclusive. The MRI is unremarkable. And the x-rays are within normal limits. Uh, Johns Hopkins got the best doctors on it and they can't figure out what's the matter with her. And the University of Maryland had their opportunity. They couldn't figure it out. This is a woman without a cure. She's done. She's done all that she knows how. But now, she's heard through the grapevine, Pastor Keith, uh, uh, and it was a trending topic on Twitter, uh, that there is hope for her in her desperate situation. Uh, ah, there she is, Sister Kemper, here she is in the crowd. Uh, uh, Sister girl, she's weak and she's, she's sick. And, and she's frail and she's hemorrhaging yet it took all the strength that she could muster up to gather herself and drag herself to the place where Jesus is she believes come on somebody she believes that if she could just get herself close enough to touch to reach out and touch his robe that something in her condition would change She's saying to herself, he ain't got to know me. He doesn't have to acknowledge me. He doesn't have to call my name. He don't have to know I'm there. But if I could just reach out. Ah, if I could just reach out and just touch his clothes. You know that's some kind of power. Woo, somebody, somebody better catch me. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she says, she says, uh, 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 if I could just touch the hem of his robe, I, I know my life would change. Uh, has anybody, uh, I just want to ask the question this morning. I know I'm full of questions, but, but, but sometimes you have to stop and ask yourself, has anybody wanted something in this life uh, to change so bad that you fight your way? to get to the master. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so verse 27 in the text reminds us uh, that she heard about Jesus. Doesn't tell us that she's seen him for herself. It doesn't tell us that she was always uh, in the synagogue. Doesn't tell us that she prayed three times a day. It doesn't tell us that she was a staunch Christian. It doesn't tell us. She says she heard about Jesus, hallelujah. But somebody, somebody, somebody who told the girl about the healing power of the Savior. Somebody, somebody mentioned it. Uh, and, and let me tell you that whoever it was, they sure must have done a good job. Uh, uh, somebody along her journey uh, must have shared the good news uh, about the goodness of our Lord uh, uh, with this sick 
black unnamed woman that she decided, come on Reverend Veronica, to try Jesus for herself. And I just ask another question. If you were alive in her day, could it have been you? that spilled the beans? Would you have spread the good news? Would you be the one to tell about the healing power of a man named Jesus? I don't know who it was, but there was somebody in her on her street that was bold and somebody was brave enough to tell her that there was something special about Jesus, that she found her way, pressed her way in the crowd just to touch his can I just tell you as followers of Christ we must never underestimate the power of spreading the good news of the gospel this is not just a job for me and Pastor Keith. It's not just a job for the preachers in the house, but this is a job for everybody who calls themselves a child of God. It is your role to make sure that you carry and you spread the good news about a living God who can save a dying world. Look, 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 look at the people in the crisis that's going on right in this moment in Ukraine and Russia. Don't you think somebody would benefit from hearing about Jesus uh, even over there? Churches, we look around and we look at our world and we see what's happening. It's time for us to work while it's day. We need to be winning souls for Christ. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm not telling you, I, I should say, to worry folks to death. Uh, you cannot worry people into believing. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't worry them. And, and, and I heard somebody say, neither do we do conversion by concussion. Uh, that means you hit people over the head with the Bible. <laughs> that don't work either. But, but what you can do is tell somebody about the law, about what the Lord has done for you. Uh, somebody this morning has been through a test, uh, and because of your test, now you have a testimony. Uh, can anybody here tell somebody how he might have picked you up and turned you around and placed your feet, come on somebody, on solid ground? Somebody needs to know the difference that Jesus can make in your life. That's how you inspire inspire people to try Jesus for themselves. I think I'm on to something this morning. You have to tell it. You all remember Mother Wardell would always say, you can't tell it. You got to let me tell it what the Lord has done for me. And so here we are, this unnamed woman who pressed her way through the thronging crowd had been suffering for a long, long time. But instead of getting better, Pastor Keith, she's getting worse. Do you know how discouraging it feels to labor with a problem and instead of the problem getting better, the problem seems to get from, go from bad to worse? Have you ever prayed over a situation and instead 
instead of getting turned around, it looks like you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper down in a hole. Have you ever watched somebody work hard to restore a marriage only to find yourself still in a divorce court? Anybody, anybody know how depressing it can be and feel to see doctor after doctor spend all that you have taking pills after pills and treatment after treatment and your health still goes from bad to worse. Oh, I can only imagine, I can only imagine Deaconess Patrice that this woman who had been suffering so long was now at the end of her rope. Ah, she was almost about ready to let go. But at that very moment, come here, come here, church. Come here, church. She heard about a healing prophet from Galilee. Just hearing about him gave her a newfound hope. He hadn't done a thing yet. She just heard about him. Something on the inside pushed her to venture out into that thronging crowd. Weak, yet non-wavering. Hesitant, yet still heroic. This woman didn't know what Jesus would say or what he would even do, but she dared to believe. It goes to show, it goes to show, it could be your testimony that sends somebody who is lost, somebody who is hurt, somebody who's discouraged, somebody who's perplexed right into the arms of our loving Savior Jesus. You never know when you are in the company of someone who is low in spirit and are really at a breaking point in their life. You never know. No, when you cross paths with someone who is on the very edge and on the verge of a breakdown and just about to end it all and take their own life, your words and your actions, they just might, they just might, they just might, I'm telling somebody in the house, they just might make a difference. I got a story to tell you, I got a story to tell you, and then I'm going to try to move on out of your way. Uh, one, one, one day, one day, there was a, a, a young man. He was a young freshman in high school. A, and he was uh, walking home from school. And he spotted one of his classmates over uh, 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 walking home as well. And he was carrying the, all this big, heavy load of books, you know, like you used to do, Minister Matt, when you would go home. Had all them books so you could be reading them and everything over, over the weekend. So... So he'd be ready for, for Monday morning. Yeah, like, like that. And, and so the young man had all of these books, and he's, he's carrying them home. And, and, and the guy who saw him said, you know, why is he bringing all those books home? It's Friday afternoon, Sister Monica. It's the weekend. You know what we do on the weekend. We have ourselves a good time. Uh, you see, the, the, the other young man, the guy who was watching, he was like, you know, I got plans. I, I'm going to be kicking it with my homies and we're gonna go watch some or play some football we're gonna hang out uh, with our friends and you know all the things that uh, high schoolers can do uh, uh, and so he didn't really give what he saw any real thought anymore uh, but as he continued to walk um, as he continued to walk he he saw a bunch of other other people that had run toward the boy with all the books 
that boy's name happened to be John. And so what he noticed is that uh, uh, the other students began knocking all of John's books uh, out of his hands. Uh, they tripped him and made him fall on the ground. Uh, John fell in the dirt and his glasses, they flew off and, 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 and they landed somewhere over in the grass. Uh, uh, and John was, uh, he was discouraged and he was sad and he looked up with that sadness in his eyes. Can you imagine uh, on your way home, minding your own business uh, when somebody comes up and just starts a, a, a bully in you really is, is what was happening. Uh, uh, so the other young man said that his heart went out to John uh, as he watched for him crawl around on the ground uh, looking for his glasses. Uh, uh, she, he said, uh, uh, so he, he, he went over and he helped him to find his glasses and, and John put his glasses back on and, and, and he smiled at his at, at the gentleman, uh, and, and he said, you know, those folks really, they need to get a life. John, John, John was happy. He was smiled. He was grateful for the young man who stopped to help him out. Uh, together, together, they, they, they picked up all of John's books and uh, put everything back together. And then they began to have a conversation. And what they discovered is that they were just about neighbors. They, they lived uh, close to each other. And so they began to walk home together and they began to talk. And as things would go, they hung out the whole weekend together, had a good time just hanging around, getting to know each other. And the more time they spent together, Pastor Keith, the more that the young man understood that John was really a great guy. He was a smart guy. He was a kind guy, and he could see that they could have a lasting relationship. So on Monday morning, when Monday morning rolled back around, here goes John with all those books, taking them back to school. He's dragging them back to school, the same books that he took home from uh, on that Friday afternoon. So fast forward four years later, uh, he and John are now best of friends. Oh, they're good buddies. Uh, but, but before you knew it, it was the senior year and, and, and things were uh, moving towards college and they're all making these plans and one was going one place and one was going another. Uh, but because they had such a great friendship, uh, they didn't worry about the miles that be, would be between them because they knew they could still remain friends. Um, John, John, I told you he was a smart guy, and, and, and John became the valedictorian of his class, and uh, uh, of course, you know, they had to give him a hard time because he had to write the, the, the graduation speech. You all know you have to write that graduation speech when you are the valedictorian of the class, and, and so they teased him about it, uh, but on that day when graduation day came, John was standing tall, and, and he was looking good. Uh, uh, high school actually 
he had been good for him and he, he found himself. You know, sometimes some people take a while to, to, to come into themselves, but he found himself. Uh, uh, and, and so uh, 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 John had, had filled out, uh, you know, was getting that uh, muscular build and uh, he looked good and his glasses didn't look like a nerd and all of that anymore. Oh, he was studious looking and he was handsome. Ah, he was popular with the ladies, so life was good. But the day of graduation came, John looked nervous. So his friend went over to him and said, you know what, John, you're going to be all right. You're going to do great. John just looked at him and said, well, thank you, my friend. So John uh, stood up to the podium on graduation day. Uh, <clears throat> he cleared his throat and John began to speak. And his speech went something like this. He says, graduation time is a time that we uh, take time to thank people who helped you make it through those tough years. You thank your parents and your teachers, your siblings, your coaches. He said, but most of all, I want to thank my friend. He said, I I'm here to tell you that being a friend to somebody is one of the best gifts you can give. He said, let me, let me tell you a story. John began to reminisce about the day he met his friend some four years ago. You see, it was that very weekend that John went home and he was carrying all those books. Was the very weekend that John had decided that he was going to take his own life. John had decided that he would clean out his locker so his mama wouldn't have to. And he was going to carry all of his things home so they could be there and not have to worry about getting them from the school. Um, oh, but when John finished, when he finished his, his speech, he looked at his friend and he smiled at him and said, thankfully, I was saved. It was a friend that saved me from doing the unthinkable. Oh, as you might imagine, there was a gasp that came all over the auditorium. They looked and they saw this tall and handsome young man. He was popular. But in his darkest and his weakest moment, somebody came along. And rescued him. And see, it wasn't until that moment in the speech that his friend realized the depth of how he had touched another human life. Yeah. I'm going to tell you two things real quick. From the story, John's friend concluded that you can never underestimate the power of your actions 
with one small gesture, Sister Benita, you can change somebody's life. Minister Swan, God places us in each other's lives so we can impact one another. Can I tell somebody, we got to learn to look for God in somebody else. John was actually testifying, Brother CJ, through his friend, God saved his life. I just asked somebody this morning, either whether you're here or, other, or whether you're on the social media platform, can you say, when I was sick, God healed me? When I was down and out, it was his love that lifted me. When I was lost, God's mercy found me. When I was in bondage, it was God who broke every chain. Who in the room can confess and profess that my hallelujah belongs to him? Because he deserves it. Uh, anybody know God deserves your hallelujah this morning? Uh, I'm almost done. Men and women of God. People need to know that Jesus, he saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. We have been called to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that there will be somebody who is hungry enough, somebody who is thirsty enough, somebody who's sick enough, somebody who is desperate enough, somebody who is tired enough to follow him in the thronging crowd just to touch his clothes and to hear Jesus say again, who, I said who, who, who touched me? Anybody want to hear Jesus say, who touched me? In our text this morning, Jesus is on his journey to the cross. But he still made time to pause for an unnamed woman to see who touched him. This story, y'all, this story in Mark shows us even today what can happen when you take a chance in the crowd to reach out and touch the power in our Savior. Hmm. Healing takes place and wholeness can become the order of the day. Salvation comes when Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And so as our story goes, the woman came forth 
with fear and trembling. She fell down at the feet of Jesus and began to tell her pitiful story. Jesus looked at the woman and he spoke these words. You see it right in the text. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Jesus called the unnamed woman his daughter. I know he got some daughters and some sons are in RCM too. But he, she, he called her daughter. The woman who had been kicked to the curb by the doctors. I said the woman who had become disconnected from her community because of her condition. The woman who was ignored by the crowd. But he called her daughter. She was called daughter by the most high God. Somebody need to get that. Talk about an instant elevation from the guttermost to the uttermost. Our Jesus saves. Come on here, somebody. To my RCM2 family, I'm going to challenge you this day to reach out and touch our God. To reach out in the crowd and touch somebody that's been written off by the world. Reach out and touch somebody who feels the pain of being lost and left out. I said reach out, touch somebody and tell them about the good news of Jesus the Christ. I promise you, I said I promise you Deacon Field, I promise you Sister Monica, I promise you that Jesus will stop in the midst of what he is doing and he'll say, who touched me? And the people of God said amen. Amen, amen, I said amen, who touched me, who, who was it, was it you, was it you, was it you, or was it you and you and you and you, Jesus wants to know, who touched me.